Well, good morning, church. Thanks for making it in this morning on a snowy Sunday. I just, uh, well, let's take a quick survey in the room. How many of you actually love it? Uh, some of you, okay, let's be honest. There's other of us that strongly dislike the snow. How many of that is you? Okay. All right, a, a torn room. I want to welcome those watching online. I know some of you are on that other side of the camera staying at home because of the snow. But uh, I'm thankful that we have the technology now that we can do this. That when we are sick, maybe we are snowed in, maybe we're on vacation, we can still stay connected to our church family. And so I love that we have that technology that we're able to do that. Uh, for those of you that like snow, I have good news for you. For those that dislike snow, I have bad news for you. There is more snow coming tomorrow. There you go. All right, meteorologist Pastor Ryan has told you three to six inches of snow tomorrow. All right. Hey, we have been on a journey through the book of Acts that we have titled Awaken. And today we get to pick up in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. If you have been with us for a little bit throughout the beginning of this series, which we started the first Sunday of 2022 in January here a couple weeks ago, we've learned so far together through our journey through chapter 1 that Jesus appears after his death and resurrection. He appears to his disciples, which he has called them apostles, because they are to be sent out. That's what apostle means, one who is sent. He has appeared to them, and it says that he's appeared to them with many convincing proofs, as Luke writes for us, that he was there with them for about 40 days. So he's there for 40 days teaching about the kingdom of God and reminding them of some things. Then Jesus is going to ascend. This is what we call in our faith the ascension. Jesus is going to ascend back to the Father. And now the apostles and 120 people are waiting in a room for what God has promised them, what Jesus has promised them. And so far, Jesus gave them two instructions while they're in this waiting. Here's the first instruction that the apostles have found in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what's this one word, friends? Go. One more time. It's what? There you go. You're awake this morning. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The term disciple is learner, to learning to look like Jesus Christ here on earth. So they're telling, Jesus is telling his apostles, his disciples, go and make disciples. Go and spread the good news of who I am to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the, and of the Holy Spirit, which can't wait, baptism next week, how awesome is that? That's so cool. I didn't know, Pastor Brandon knew the number. I didn't know we were over 20 already, which is awesome. Yes, if you follow after Jesus, you ought to be baptized. The command of Jesus, they go hand in hand. Get saved and get baptized. By the way, last week we talked about confessing Jesus Christ with your Lord as Jesus is Jesus is Lord of your life. Confessing him as Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Romans says you will be saved. Can I have an announcement to make? 
We had people get saved last week that went to pastors and got saved. Isn't that awesome, friends? I didn't ask for a normal hand raise. We did nothing. We just said, hey, declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And people afterwards, after services, were getting saved. That's a move of God. It's awesome. And so here, Jesus is telling his disciples, apostles, go and make disciples. Go and preach the good news of who I am and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. And then he goes on that we've unpacked so far. But he also says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. That's where they're staying. But to, what's this one word? Wait. So he's telling them, go and make disciples. However, wait. Wait for this promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that's what we're gonna, where we're going to pick up, is that Holy Spirit is now going to come down upon the, the apostles and the 120. This is going to be fulfilled now. But I, what I love about all of this is what is Jesus saying? Before you go, wait. Because in your waiting, you will be empowered for your going. Confusing? In your waiting, you will be empowered for your going. That's why you must wait. And I said this last week. Any move of God or work of God is a fulfillment of his word. I just shared with you, as we read Romans last week, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. We saw the fulfillment of that word come into fruition last week. And this week, we're going to see this come into play in Acts chapter 2. Finally, in their waiting, this empowering is going to come upon them. They will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to gently talk to you real quick. I know some of you are frightened by the word baptized with the Holy Spirit. I understand many of us in this room, we come from different backgrounds of faith. Some of us don't come from any background. This is going to be brand new to them. Some of us come from other backgrounds that spoke not against this, but didn't ever talk about it. It almost kind of spooked them in that way. Can I just say this? If the apostles who walked with Jesus... God in flesh, who talked with Jesus, God in flesh, needed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need that then? And so what I want to do is just clear the air, because I know there's many different feelings there. Don't get caught up with, with this idea of baptize. It, baptism just means to immerse. And we'll unpack exactly how that all plays out. But it's to be completely filled with the Holy Spirit. But you have to know this, before we jump into Acts 2, know this. Without the coming of Holy Spirit into one's life, there can be no discipleship. Discipleship is that journey every follower of Jesus is on to look more like Jesus. It's called discipleship, you call it a spiritual journey. We're around here we say we want you to live love. Live like Jesus, share his love. That's the discipleship journey, that every word and action, everything you do will come out looking more like Jesus. So when you and I woke up today, we look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. And Lord, hopefully we look way more like Jesus today than we did five years ago. 
right? That's discipleship. But you can't have it without the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me say it another way. There is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Because at the moment of salvation, when you're saved, you are deposited the gift of Holy Spirit. This begins your Christian walk. This begins your spiritual journey. This begins your discipleship to look more like Jesus Christ. And here's what's awesome. When this happens, we read before, you will receive power. This is the word in the Greek, in the original language. This was written in Greek, dunamis, which we get the English word dynamite. This is dynamic power will come upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have this dynamic power to be what? And you'll be my witnesses. You will have a dynamic power to live in holy boldness for your faith. Isn't that awesome? I get excited about this. I got so excited, I'm starting to sweat a little bit right now. All right? And it's freezing cold outside. But we're going to unpack this, and it's going to be beautiful. I want you to say, I want you to know this. I often wrestle with this question, what keeps Christians from fulfilling the great commission of going and making disciples of all nations? What keeps us from that commandment of Jesus? And I think it's this. What keeps us from people going across the street to a neighbor? What keeps us from going around the block to tell someone about Jesus? What keeps us from going around another cubicle to tell our coworker about Jesus or the desk next to us, a classmate? Is I think what keeps us is a fear of man. We are fearful of what people will think about me. We're fearful that I don't know what to say. We're fearful that what's going to come back is you don't have answers to respond to their questions. Can I relieve you of that? You don't have to worry when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Because he'll give you the power to go do so. And it's not in your power, it's in the Holy Spirit's power on your life. And so there are times when, listen, I th one of my early struggles as a pastor, and I'm trying to help you here. One of my early struggles with a pastor is I always thought I had to have every answer. Then I realized I'm not God. I don't have all the answers to all everyone's questions. And it was the most freeing thing that the Lord has used on my heart are these words. That's a great question. I don't know, but I'll get back to you. It's so freeing. And then I go and do some research and try to figure it out, ask questions, ask other godly men and women. But there it is. And here's what's so beautiful about this power is I love how Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Your kingdom come. He's talking about God. God's kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in where, friends? Heaven. What is he praying? He's praying that the power of heaven come here on earth. There, man, we have a responsibility, friends, as Christians to pray that the supernatural existence of heaven would come down here on earth. Why would Jesus tell his disciples to pray this? Why do Christians feed the hungry? Because there's no hunger in heaven. Why do we pray for people to get healed of illnesses and disease and sickness? Because in the kingdom of heaven, there is no illness. There is no sickness. So we're praying that God would usher in his kingdom here and now. 
And if you bought into this Christian faith that you get saved and you're just waiting for heaven, oh, there's so much more to the Christian faith. This is a journey that begins that you trust in Jesus Christ, that there's an inner transformation, that he empowers you from the inside out, and you and I are meant to live supernatural, extraordinary lives. And you know what kind of freaks us out sometimes? Because we live in a natural world. And we try to explain the supernatural in a natural way. And we can't. That's why it's called supernatural. It's beyond the existence of the natural. So here we go. I don't know about you. I'm excited this morning, friends. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 2. We're going to go 1 to 12, verses 1 to 12. I titled this message, Wind, Fire, and Empowered by the Spirit. But before we jump in, I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for us because I know a lot of Christians are confused on what's happening in these verses as we're going to unpack. And that may be you this morning. So I want Holy Spirit to just soften our posture as we hear from him. So let me pray for you and we'll jump into God's word. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you just soften our spirit? Would you soften our spirit to just receive this? And I know with our eyes, sometimes you look at what is going to come to fruition here in this story. And we're, we're confused. We, we don't know things. I pray, God, in a huge, anointing, powerful way that you would help it make sense to us. Clear the muddiness. May it be clear. And may we walk out of here more excited for what you're going to do. God, I truly believe the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. If we don't believe that, then we are saying, God, you're done working, and you're not done working. So God, open our hearts and our minds in Jesus' name. And everyone said, all right, here we go. Woo! Shake off. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be awesome. You guys are awesome. Here we go. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of, what's this one word? Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There's 120 of them together in one place. Now, I'm going to teach you something when you study God's word. This is so key. So lean in here on this moment. This is so key. Luke is writing to us, reminding of us when this promise, the Holy Spirit's coming. He's telling us when. Pentecost. You must know this when you study scripture. That when something happens is as important as what happens. There is significant that God chose Pentecost to send his spirit upon the apostles. And we're going to unpack that. But when is just as important as the what has happened. So I'm going to show you a slide. And if you're a note taker, it's, you're not going to be able to jot all this down. You're going to want to take a picture and come back to it, okay? So you can grab your phone, your iPad, and whatever you need and take this picture. Remember, Luke is writing to us, it's when? The day of Pentecost. Here's what you and I need to know. Because when something happens is just as important as what happens. There are three Jewish pilgrim feasts that every Jewish man in the ancient world must take. You must go to Jerusalem as a man to celebrate these. Here are the three. Number one, Passover, also known as unleavened bread. They must go to Jerusalem for Passover. They must go to Jerusalem for Pentecost, 
which is also the Feast of Ingathering or Weeks, and they must go to this one, which is booths, which is tabernacles or tents. Those are the three pilgrim feasts that Jewish men are required to make it to Jerusalem to celebrate. Now, each of these feasts represents something. So in the Old Testament, Passover represented the Exodus, when for 400 years, the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt for 400 years under Pharaoh. Moses comes on the scenes, and they escape. But one way they escaped was through the 10th plague, which that the angel of death would kill the firstborn male. And the angel of death would pass over the homes of the Jewish people because they had the blood's lamb on their doorposts. So they would be saved over that. So that's how they got the word pass over, that the angel of death passed over their homes because they were marked by the blood of the lamb. And then they were set free after 400 years of slavery. So that's what that marked. Pentecost marked something that occurred at Mount Sinai when Moses received the law, which we'll unpack here in a moment. And booths represented the wilderness wandering, what happened, or wandering, what happened was, after the 400 years, Moses got the tablets, the commandments of God of how to obey God, and now they were in the wilderness, walking around, journeying. And in order for the presence of God to dwell with them, they built a tabernacle and pitched tents, and the, the presence of God dwelt in the tabernacle. Then they would move over here, pack all that stuff here, Come here, set up the tents, set up the tabernacle, and the presence of God was in that tabernacle. Then all this is fulfilled with Jesus in the church. The exodus is filled because they were saved. Why were they saved? The blood of the lamb was over their doorposts. Jesus' death and burial. That you and I now are saved because we have been washed by the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven. That's how that's played out. Jesus in the church, that Mount Sinai comes when Moses receives the law that the 120 are going to have the descent of Holy Spirit upon them. And we're going to make some really cool connections. And then finally, Booths is, is celebrated in the New Testament because not are they just dwelling in tents and the presence of God is not just in a tabernacle anymore. The presence of God is dwelling with his people and now it's all the nations. Where before it was with the Jews, now it's for everyone. And so here's where we're telling, Luke is, or Luke is writing, hey, we're right here. We're right here at this feast. So what do we know? Number one, Pentecost just means 50. It means 50. There's nothing spooky about Pentecost. I know for some of us, we read it and we're really confused, but literally, it means 50. Why does it mean 50? It literally, because it's 50 days after Passover that they celebrate it. So, real quick, how long were the apostles waiting after Jesus ascended to heaven? About 10 days. Because we know Jesus was with them for 40 days. And then they're at Pentecost, so it's 50 days after they celebrated Passover. So there's about 10 days there that they're actually waiting. 10 days is a long time to wait. Is it not? Some of you can't wait to get out of here right now, right? You're waiting 10 days for this promise, and you don't know what this, you're just like, okay, Holy Spirit, we're going to get baptized with Holy Spirit. What does that even look like, Right? Here's what it also celebrated. Two things. Recognition of the completed harvest. So they celebrated Pentecost to also sit there and go, God, thank you so much for your abundant provision. What we're going to read is, oh, oh, God is going to provide them in a mighty way. 
And then it also, what I told you, it's a celebration of Moses receiving the law. How to follow after God after 400 years as slaves in Egypt. This is what it looks like to follow after God now. And so let me give you a quick snippet in Exodus what this looked like. Because you're going to see it played out in our story in Acts. This is from Exodus chapter 19, verses 18. Mount Sinai was all smoke because God had come down on it as what, friends? Keep that in mind. God's coming down as fire. Smoke poured from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain shuddered and heaved. They're, this thing is shaking, there's smoke, there's fire, noise, and they're like, oh man, the presence of God is here. So it was on this mountain that Moses received the law. Fire, noise, it's shuddering, there's smoke, and it's awesome. That's why I wrote, the cloud descended with fire and loud noise, and Moses received how to follow after God. All right, have that in your mental, in the back of your mind. Let's jump back into Acts. You're going to see some beautiful correlation. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, 50, they're celebrating what? Moses receiving the law. They're celebrating God provides. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, I love this. They were totally unaware it was coming. Just came out of the blue. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now think about this. This must have made some noise. And many of you, have you ever heard of someone who lived through a tornado? What do they say a tornado sounds like? A train. Everyone who's experienced it says that. It was like a freight train coming in. I wonder if it was similar. Like, here's why there must have been some noise. Because jump six verses ahead, it says, when they, which means the crowd, everyone in the city, heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. So they heard something. I think when God shows up and moves, people hear about it. And that was happening here. So suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seems to be tongues of what, friends? Hmm. Fire came down on Mount Sinai. The presence of God. What is happening here? The presence of God is coming down like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All. How many friends? Please hear this. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Finally, the fulfillment has come. They've been waiting 10 days, and they've been filled. They've been baptized with the Spirit. Here's what's interesting. Being baptized or filled with the Spirit is not just for pastors. It's not for worship, just for worship leaders or deacons or elders in the church. It's for everyone to be filled with the Spirit. Here's what I love about this idea. Even Jesus, in intimate moments before his death, before he was betrayed by Judas, he's having the Last Supper in an intimate setting with his 12 disciples. And this is what Jesus says about this idea, about Holy Spirit coming. He says this, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. He's telling his disciples, this is good for you. Why? Because if I don't, the advocate who is the Holy Spirit, won't come. 
if I do go away, then I'll send him to you. This is a beautiful, and I wonder if the disciples are like, wait, Jesus, we want to be with you longer. And he's like, yeah, but something is better that is coming. It's the best for you that I go away. And then he says this, the moment of salvation for the disciples. He says this, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's the gift at salvation. The gift that is given to you is, yes, it's eternal life. But the gift is the Holy Spirit, God in you now, residing. Here's his thing. What do the disciples have here? Do they have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. But here, they're not filled until here. Let me explain it this way. This balloon is you and I. At the moment of salvation, you and I declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We have the Holy Spirit. This is you and I. Does this balloon have air in it? Yes. You have the Holy Spirit. This was the disciples in John 20. They have the Holy Spirit. What the disciples did not have was the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is the difference between the disciples in John 20 and the disciples here in Acts 2. I, this, we would all say both have air, but one is filled greater than the other. I think this describes the American church today. There's a lot of Christians that look like this. You have Holy Spirit. But you're not filled with Holy Spirit. You know why? The enemy of our soul does not want you to look like this. I think the enemy of our soul has packaged Holy Spirit in a wrong way to scare you off from this. The apostles needed this. So do you in your marriage. You'll act more like Jesus to her. You'll act more like Jesus to him. Your coworkers need you to be filled to represent Jesus well. Watch this. Remember, this is the difference. This is just you have Holy Spirit as a gift, but as you throw it, it hits the hard. Be filled, throw it, bounces. I think for a lot of us, we struggle because we don't, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So when life hits us, we get knocked down. We don't bounce back up because we're not filled. The disciples needed this. And here's what's amazing. All of a sudden, they began to speak in other tongues. Now, don't get freaked out with this tongues yet. I'm going to unpack it. I can't unpack all. Wait about three weeks and I'll unpack it more, okay? They began to speak in other tongues. Listen, this is not scary or wrong. Why? Because it says, as the Spirit enabled them. It was from Holy Spirit. But let me explain just briefly this tongues. This tongue is the word glossia in the Greek, which you and I get the term glossary from, okay, in our English word. It literally means the language or dialect used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. 
So they're filled with the Spirit. They had the Spirit. Now they're filled. They're baptized in the Spirit. It's a filling of who God is in our lives. Then in this moment, God allowed them, the Spirit enabled them to speak these languages. Why? Continue on. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Why are they in Jerusalem? Pentecost, right? That's one of the three pilgrim feasts men must go to in Jerusalem. This is going to make so much sense that God chose this moment to pour his spirit out. Why? Because there's Jews all over the place here in Jerusalem, right here, right now. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed. They are utterly amazed at what's happening. Let me ask you a question, friends. Have you ever been utterly amazed by God? This is the God that we read about. He's an amazing God. This is not a passive God. This is an active God that loves you deeply and is after you. That desires a relationship with you. And the crowd there is utterly amazed because they, they hear their own native language. And they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? What did we learn last week if you were here? 11 of the 12 disciples were from the region of Galilee. The one, Judas, was from Judea. We know last week they replaced him with Matthias. Matthias must have been from the region of Galilee. And the 120 that were there must be from this region. Then how is it that each of us heard them in our own native language? Check this out. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Their response, utterly amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This is crazy. These are a bunch of 120 Galileans, and now they're speaking all these languages. And here's a map of all the parts of the Roman Empire who were there at Pentecost in Jerusalem that heard their native tongue right here when God's presence filled the apostles in the 120. They began to speak these languages and they finally heard the signs and wonders of who God is. God is not a God of just happenstance. God is a God of divine opportunity. Perfectly. Because all these people came to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And now they're hearing in their own native language who this God is. This is incredible. You know what also this represents? Back in Genesis, we're told that there was one language. And it, they came, the people came to build a city. And they wanted to build a tower that reaches the heavens. They wanted to be like God. Genesis chapter 11, verses 8 through 9, tell us what God does then. 
as they're trying to build this city and build this tower for their amazement. This is what God says. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why this, it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world, and from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This Pentecost moment you and I read is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. Where now everyone's scattered and speak multiple languages, but now in this moment, everyone understands, because the Spirit's enabled them, to hear the wonders of who God is. Isn't this awesome? Am I the only one getting fired up this morning? Come on, this is the reversal of Babel. God is so good. Look what happens, and he's reversing it all in this moment. Now everyone will hear. And then John records for us in the book of Revelation, the last book of Scripture. When he gets the revelation, he gets to see the revealing of the heavens. He says this, After this I looked, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe and people in language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb who is Jesus Christ. Now every nation can go to heaven because what has happened at Pentecost, that every knee will bow before God, every tongue will confess that he is Jesus. This is good news. I'm sweating and I'm out of breath. This is so good. It's the fulfillment of that. And in this moment, Remember, the apostles were told, go and make disciples. But listen, wait for the empowering. Because when you're empowered, you're going to do incredible things. This moment fed a movement. 2,000 years later, people are still getting filled with the Spirit. And the church of Jesus Christ is alive today. Amen? It took this movement. Now every nation, everyone all over the place is hearing about Jesus. Now disciples, now the apostles, now the 120, go and make disciples. Now you can fulfill the great commission. Now you're ready. And if they needed it, we need the empowerment of Holy Spirit in our lives, friends. It's what birthed the church. It's what gives life. It makes a difference between struggling and addiction all the time. And you may wonder, say, man, they just, I feel like they're just a better Christian than I am. Can I say, I don't think that is. It's just a, it's just a more of a filling of the spirit than you. But it's available to all. My deep hunger for our church is that we would go from this. And Pastor Brandon says, Holy Spirit's a gentleman. But we would look, go from this to this and I promise you this you will be a better husband you'll be a better mom and a better wife you will be a better friend when you are filled with the spirit this is why what's next to you probably next to you maybe you sat on it is this card that says God in us the upgrade within our encouragement for you is that this is the next series that we are starting next week. A five-part series of trying to understand together who is Holy Spirit. 
What is Holy Spirit's role in our life now? So I know some of us right now are like, Ryan, I'm kind of freaking out because I started to like this church and now this church is talking about the Spirit and I got bad taste of that stuff. Can I say this? We will be gentle together because I have my own story with my journey with Holy Spirit, the God that's in us, friends. Where's God? He's in heaven. Where's Jesus? At the right hand of God in heaven. Who's in you as a follower of Jesus? The Holy Spirit. And that's why I subtitled it, The Upgrade Within. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need an upgrade. So my, my heart is this. Who in your life that can you invite? Say, hey, let's unpack Holy Spirit together. And there are things in my life I had to literally deconstruct some of my faith in my own theology and who Holy Spirit was. You know why? Because I had a bad church experience of it. So I want us to come into the series with a fresh plate. I don't want our experiences. I want what God's word has to say about Holy Spirit. And let that form and shape us as Christians. So for you, some of you, you may be a Pentecostal person in the room here. And you're like, yes, about time we start talking about Holy Spirit. I promise you this, though, we're not going to be swinging from chandeliers or any light fixtures at Radiant Life. Okay? There are very strict rules in the Bible. Peter talks, uh, Paul talks all about it. The way that there is order to be done within the church. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And there are rules that Peter or Paul lays down of understanding how the gifts are to operate. And we will go and journey together in that. But I know for some of us, you're like, I, I don't know if I want this Holy Spirit thing. Remember what I said earlier, there's no Christian life without Holy Spirit. So let's journey together. I want you to do three things as I close. I want you to do three things, if you will, for this coming week. And then in the next five weeks, if we unpack our series together, it's this. Let go of fears and misconceptions. I'm actually going to ask you. Would you be willing for a week to journal those out? Really seek the Lord. Lord, here's where I want to stiff arm Holy Spirit. These are some of my fears because maybe some it's just I don't understand. Maybe it is. I saw it in a weird way and it kind of honestly spooked me a little bit. What are some misconceptions that you have? And literally, let's write them out this week so we can come Next week in the next five weeks that God knows where our heart is and you know where it is and be open to letting that go. The second thing I ask is be spirit receptive. That every Sunday that you come in, ask the question on your way in or pray that God, I'm open to whatever you have for me this morning. Open ourselves up to be spirit receptive, and this is the overarching goal for the next five weeks together as we journey into God in us, is that you and I would develop an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit. Remember, he's the God that's in you. He's your friend and desires a relationship. And oh, friends, it's a joy to be filled and we need his empowerment in our lives. And when we do this, we will see revival happen. We will see a true awakening because that's what launched the church. Amen, friends?
It's going to be a fun journey together, and I can't wait. But at this time, let's stand together. And we're going to close with one last song. This song's called Rest on Us. It talks about fire and wind, come do it again. What you and I just looked at in the book of Acts. And that's our heart. That's our prayer. That Holy Spirit, you'd come do it again. If we're asleep, that you would awaken us to more of you, God. We want more of you. We want more of you. So Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for sending your spirit, Holy Spirit, to come and fill us, to empower us to live a life for you and for others to see who you are, Jesus. Fire and wind, come do it again. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.